We're turning this morning in our Bibles to Colossians. And we want to read again Colossians chapter 1. And we're just going to read from verse 9 right through to verse 12. Now you might think that this is all very repetitive reading. But let's remember we're reading God's inspired, infallible, and inerrant word. And we should never, ever be weary of reading God's word. Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 9. Remember, this is Paul's prayer. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 9. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father. Which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing. This reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now this morning... We are continuing with our series of expository sermons in the book of Colossians. And at present, we are considering Paul's prayer in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. Now remember, this is a prayer for the church at Colossae. This prayer is unique. This prayer has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Literally, I would describe it as a big spiritual prayer. I want you to remember Colossians 1 verses 9 to 12 is one whole prayer. Now we have been breaking it up into constituent parts in order to study it. And today we're coming to to verse 11. So here's the text for today. Listen to the word of God. What does the Bible tell us there? Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Now I want you to think of the theme. Here's the text. Colossians 1 11. Think of the theme now, praying for strength. Did you ever think of that? That's what this text is all about. I want to teach you, or try to, five things about praying for strength. Here's the first thing. The subject that is addressed. Strengthened with all might. That's the subject that is addressed. Remember, this is just a part of Paul's prayer for the believers at Colossae. Timothy's involved in this prayer meeting. Epaphras, the minister, a faithful pastor, is involved in this prayer. Others, no doubt, are included. We have already studied the first four parts of the prayer, being filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, walking worthy unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. And today I want to add another part, a fifth part, a vital part. And what is that? 
strengthened with all might. Now, as I've said, and I'm repeating myself because I, I want you to grasp this, that this is one continual big spiritual prayer from the lips of Paul. It's big in contrast to it being shallow. It's spiritual in contrast to being about physical things or material things. Physical and material things are not mentioned in Paul's big, unique, Holy Spirit-inspired prayer. Now, we have had to break it up, I know, into component parts to try and get our head around it, to try and understand it. I've already told you that there's too much for one sermon. I've already told you that many preachers have just skipped over it uh, and lost so much. Here's the fifth component part of the prayer. And what is it? Simply put, it's a prayer for strength. The, the word strengthened is what we call a present participle. And it leads, it means literally being strengthened or be being strengthened. You, you've got to um, meditate upon the word. The word strengthened as a present participle surely is an indication of a need for a continual infusion of strength. You see, if we're to make progress in the Christian life, and remember that's Paul's overriding concern for God's people to make progress in the Christian life and to exhibit spiritual growth. And remember how I described the Christian life last week? It's like riding a bicycle up a hill. Once you stop pedaling, you'll start slipping back. So if Stephen here was riding up to the Oakley Hill and got halfway up and stopped pedaling, he would start going back. Now, what would he need to keep pedaling? He would need strength. He would need some of my honey. And that would keep him going. Do you see what I mean? Um, being strengthened means that we need outside help. We, we need a, a, another power to strengthen us. I think of the disciples. They were with the Lord Jesus for what? Three and a half years. They had very close proximity to Christ. They could see him with the eye. They could speak to him face to face. They, they witnessed his many miracles. They, they heard his stirring sermons, no doubt. They, they observed his gracious, wise example. They had the privilege to hear him in the flesh, privilege to, to see him in the flesh. They, they had the privilege to hear and see him even in relation to the place of prayer. And you would think, well, by that, they would be strengthened with all might in themselves. Listen to what the Savior told them, young people. Without me, ye can do nothing. You see, that ties into Friday night's principle. No confidence in the flesh. No ability in self to do it by your own power and in your own steam. You see, we can't do anything in our own strength and ability. We can't make progress or exhibit spiritual growth by our own power. Remember Paul says, Philippians 4 verse 13, and here was his testimony, I can do all things. That's a great boast, isn't it? But he didn't say that. He said, I can do all things. How? Through Christ which strengthened me. He recognized he needed help. He recognized he needed strengthening. He needed to be enabled. He, he realized and recognized, I can't do it on my own. I need help. What a discovery. Think of all of Paul's talents. His many abilities, his graces, his gifts. Uh, such a mighty man, a pastor of big churches. 
like like Ephesus and, and, and Corinthians. This man, of course, remember, wrote 14 books of the New Testament. This man was a mighty giant intellectually, a mighty giant in relation to prayer. We could say, well, Paul, you're a spiritual giant. Nobody would tell us, no, I am nothing without Christ because all that I've seen accomplished, all that I've achieved, it's not been by my strength or power or ability or talents or gifts. No, I prayed for strength. I've done it all through Christ which strengthened me. And young people, whenever it comes to daily strength physically, it's not by your own power or ability that you live, for in him you move and live in a being. You need daily strength spiritually to grow and make progress and live the Christian life. It's not by your own power or ability. Daily strength mentally. I was thinking of this the other day. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in thee because he trusteth in thee. Our mind can be bombarded and affected by many things, especially all that's going on in the world with this coronavirus. And we're hearing so many contradictory things. And, and we're worried and fearful. And, and who can keep our minds in a state of peace? Well, it's certainly not in our own power. We need the Lord to help. Paul, remember, prayed a similar prayer for the church at Ephesus. If you look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. What he says there, Ephesians 3, 16, listen to the word of God, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. You see, Paul knew that this church in Colossae needed to be filled with the knowledge of his will, needed to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, needed to be fruitful in every good work, needed to increase in the knowledge of God. But how could they do it? In their own strength, power, and ability? No. They needed divine strength. They needed divine power. You see, let's understand as we live out the Christian life, the devil is too strong for us. The devil's too subtle for us. The world that attempts to squeeze us into its anti-God, anti-Christian mold is also too strong and subtle for us. Even our own flesh, our inward remaining sin is too strong for us. We'll not resist the enemy of our souls and our own strength or power, will not overcome in our ability, will not make any progress. Don't ever underestimate the enemy. See, how many of God's people walk in their own power? They witness in their own strength. They worship in their own ability. And they warfare in their own strength or power. And where does it end? It ends in failure. It ends in hurt. It ends in brokenness. It ends in pain. Why? Because this is something that's beyond human ability. Aren't we all prone to pride? Aren't we all prone to do our own thing? And those that are full of pride and prone to do their own thing, it'll end in failure. They're, they're going to fall. See, it's like saying, but I don't need your help, Lord. I can do it in my own strength. I can manage it by myself. And it ends in defeat and failure. You discover that you can't. And that's true of our health and strength because it's a gift from God. That's true of our, our, our mentally ability to endure. That's true spiritually. So there's the subject that is addressed. Notice secondly and quickly, the source is announced. If you go back to the text, notice what it says there. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. There's the source that is announced. 
Whose power? And if you examine the context, think of the last word in verse 10, you've got the word God. And of course, in 10a, you've got a reference to the Lord, that you would walk worthy of the Lord. And if you look at verse at 7, it has a reference to Christ, the faithful minister of Christ. If you look at verse 8, it's got a reference to your love in the Spirit with a capital S. And we get all the way back up to verse 3. And what does it say in verse 3? We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. You see, this is a Trinitarian prayer. He's addressing the living and the true God in their behalf. He's doing so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the ground of the blood sacrifice. And he's doing it in the power and the energy of the Spirit of God. And as he prays this prayer for them, he thinks of the source that's to be announced according to his glorious power. I'm telling you, it's a reference to the triune God. His glorious power is a reference to the triune God of the Bible. If I slip back to the phrase, strengthened with all might, the literal rending of the Greek New Testament is, with all mighty strength being made mighty. It's not a mouthful. With all mighty strength being made mighty. You see, the spiritual ocean, young people, the spiritual reservoir that the true believer in Christ draws from is God's mighty power. God empowers and strengthens and enables his people to live godly lives. It's God that imparts and shares his glorious strength with his people. It's God that provides help for his people. It's God that people can confidently proclaim, the Lord is my helper. Can you say that today? And say it truthfully and genuinely. Think of the traveler's psalm, Psalm 121. The psalmist asked the question, Where does his help come from? He's thinking of this. And he exclaims this, My help cometh from the Lord, which maketh heaven and earth. You see, he recognized he's on a journey. The journey of life. And you're on a journey, a spiritual journey. And if you've started for heaven and home in Christ and acknowledged the way is narrow and hard and difficult, how are you going to make it to the end? How are you going to enter through those pearly gates? Well, well the answer is, being strengthened according to his glorious power. As Paul puts it again in Ephesians chapter 3 and the verse 16, if we go back to that verse, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. We're born of the spirit. We're, we're indwelt by the spirit of God. We're led by the spirit of God. The spirit of God helps us in so many areas. It's important that we don't grieve or vex or quench the Holy Spirit. It's important that we recognize that we need the Spirit's help every day. Where does our help come from? The answer is the Lord. And as I've said, I'm repeating myself, I know that's true physically, mentally, but it's also true spiritually. How could you understand and know things out of the Bible? How could you pray? Beset with ignorance and infirmity. How can you be a, a better husband and a good father? How, how can you be a good citizen? How can you overcome sin? How can you overcome the hardships of life? How can you be a true worshiper of God? It's written, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
And in so many areas we feel so powerless and, and so helpless. And our inner man needs to be strengthened. And the strengthening of our inner man by the Spirit of God impacts upon our conduct, our conversation, our character. If I ask the question, how did Joseph survive in Egypt? Remember young people, he was sold as a slave as a young boy, 17 years of age. He ended down there in Potiphar's house. Remember Potiphar's wife and her designs for Joseph and his refusal. How could I sin against the Lord? He ended up in prison, falsely accused of rape. He was there approximately 13 years. How did he cope? Where did the strength come from that he didn't go mad or, or, or didn't want, want to end his life? You, you turn over there in the book of Genesis, book of beginnings. Look with me at Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. Listen to these words in verse 24. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. That's how he endured. Here's a beautiful verse. God girded Joseph with strength. Even when the iron was in his soul in the prison house, according to Psalm 105, verse 18. If you could picture that deathbed scene, Jacob's dying, 12 boys gathered around the bed, and old Jacob's making a pronouncement about Joseph, and he's being practical, and he's being prophetical, and he says that his arms are made strong by the mighty arms of the God of Jacob. That's the picture, the source. We need to think of that. It's tied into God's power. Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Is that not a bit silly? When I'm weak, then am I strong? What did he mean? When he was weak physically, mentally and spiritually, and he felt he couldn't go on, and he was ready to quit, and he had enough. He said, in my weakness, I'm made strong. Why? Because the Bible teaches us there in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 40, and it says this in the verse 30. Isaiah 40 and verse 30. Listen to the word of God. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. You see, it doesn't come in a vacuum. It comes as part and parcel of our relationship to the Lord. Those who are in Christ and want to live for Christ can only do so through the strength of Christ. So our eyes must be on him. We're living a life of dependency on him. We're believing in him. We're desiring him. We're trusting him that he'll give us power to strengthen our inner man as we wait before him, as we walk with him, as we worship him. Oh, I, I want you to grasp that. I, I want you to see that. Here's the source that is announced today. I want you to think thirdly and quickly, the supply that is affirmed. Look at the words here. If you go back to our text, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Note the words, all might. See that word might, it means dunamis in the Greek. In other words, it's, it's dynamite. It's inherent power like dynamite. It's a reference to explosive energy. Think of the impact an explosion can make. Every area is being affected. 
Nothing's left out. Our mind, our body, our strength, our soul. All might. It's a, it speaks of the fullness of power. Power to the highest degree. You think of God's power in relation to creation. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So you've got God's creative power. Think about God's providence. His providential power to organize circumstances, events. Remember, he is absolutely sovereign over people, time, and places, and events. Ties into the doctrine of absolute sovereignty. Think of the doctrine of God's redemptive power. Think of God's resurrection power. If we think of what Paul also prayed for the church at Ephesus, and he two prayers in his prison prayers for Ephesus, he prayed this in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. He said, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all? The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead bodily. Jesus, remember, had a bodily resurrection, young people. And God not only raised him from the dead, but set him on his own right hand. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And then we've got to think of that power with which Jesus Christ is going to return in glory. We've got to think of the resurrection of dead saints unto resurrection glory. We've got to think of the resurrection of the unsaved dead at the great white throne judgment. The power that puts forth leads to action. And everything is a result of his power. And his power does a glorious work. That's why the psalmist could say, Thy right hand is glorious in power. Surely we have no difficulty in grasping that it's the Lord that empowers us to live for him. That it's the Lord that empowers us to cope whatever the circumstances are, whatever the situation is we face. Remember, it's according to his glorious power. And if you think of those words, literally, and again, I'm quoting from the Greek New Testament, it's according to his might of his glory. That's the way it's put, literally. According to his might of his glory. You see, God's glory is the outward manifestation of his inherent majestic power. Old Testament times, Moses and the children of Israel, the blinding light, the pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day, the lightning, the power, the thunder. There's a sense of fear, a sense of awe, a sense of reverence for God, the inherent majesty of God's power. It's seen in this outward manifestation of his glory. And where's the glory of God seen today? In the face of Jesus Christ. John 1 verse 14 tells us that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. It was Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and the verse 6. He made this statement. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, that's creation, have shined in our hearts, that's regeneration, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Power to direct the light. Remember, he said in the beginning, let there be light. 
And this same God then can speak, let the light of truth shine in our hearts to see what? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Something else, if you look at our text, think of the scope that is affirmed. He says, unto all patience and long-suffering. What's the opposite of patience? It's impatience. And notice the words, here's the scope that's being affirmed, unto all patience and long-suffering. Here's the scope of where this strength is needed. It's particularly itemized to two specific areas, unto all patience. You see, Paul knows it's not easy to make progress, especially if you're going uphill. He's thinking of the new life in Christ. He's thinking of hardship. He's thinking of difficulty. He's thinking of struggles. And what do you need when you face hardship, struggles, and difficulties? Well, you need patience. Do we not all need time to grow? Is that not true physically? Is it not also true agriculturally and horticulturally? Think of a farmer who plants the seed. Well, he needs patience to wait in the harvest. Think of a, a tree, and it's a fruit-bearing tree. You need time to produce the plant, the pear, the apple, or the orange. And surely in the Christian life, we need time to know the Lord. When we think of the word patience, we make the mistake of thinking that patience is the ability to wait for something or someone, a parcel, doesn't come, a friend that doesn't turn up. You see, patience is not getting annoyed when provoked. Patience is not complaining about our lot. Patience is not being upset by circumstances and situations. No, it's deeper than that. It's more than that. It's the knowledge of how to respond when life is difficult. Is your life difficult right now? How do you respond? Is it unto all patience? Does it bring about a full and total submission to the Lord in trying circumstances and situation? You see, it's about receiving strength to keep going. Receiving strength to look to the Lord for divine help. It's about divine patience. It's not human patience. Human patience is about being concerned about being controlled by people and events. But Bible patience sees all things under God's control, being patiently steadfast, having grace to endure. All this is against you. You're focusing on an uphill struggle at home. Circumstances and situations are distressing you, and you feel ready to quit. You want to stop praying. You want to stop reading the Bible. You want to stop living for the Lord. You want to stop trusting in him. What do you need in that circumstance? You need strength. Quit attending church. Quit attending good deeds. You see, it's having that ability not to be put off. The Wheaton College professor used to tell his students in America, it's too soon to quit. Why? Because they can only continue by the grace of God. And we can experience such patience. Notice that it's all patience. Not just some, not just a little, not just much, not just a lot. But it's all patience, every difficulty, every struggle, every problem. He's the one that we look to. Here's the scope that's affirmed. Notice something else. It's long-suffering. So it's, it's not just patience, but it's all long-suffering. If patience is needed in every, every area of 
a problem. Then long-suffering has to refer to people. I want you to see this. Is the Christian life, we often face trials. And some of the trials come from different are difficult and and awkward people who who deliberately try to make things difficult uh, for you. And it's not true of every area. We face that at home. We face that at school. We face that in the workplace. We've even faced it in the house of God. There's an awkwardness. And, And you see, we've got to learn in that awkward moment to set our angry bitter, resentful, distressed feelings to the one side and think of how our inner life is being affected and just because other individuals are perfused, behaved perversely or perfused stubbornly, seeking their own way, Paul is wise. Paul is an expert in Christian progress and he knows how easily people can be hurt and he knows that it's difficult when people feel they have no inner strength to carry on. And Paul can come and say, I know what you're going to face. I know what the devil is doing. You not only need patience, you need long-suffering. Because long-suffering, remember, is the fruit of the Spirit. Let me tell you this little story. David Livingston was a missionary to Africa. And in 1871, he had a visit from a man called Dr. Stanley. Stanley wanted to write a book about Livingston. And he spent several months with him in the heart of Africa. And when he first met him, he said, Dr. Livingston, I presume. He observed his lifestyle for many months, his loving patience, his compassion for the African people, his long-suffering toward them. Remember, there was African people out to hurt him, out to harm him as the man of God. He faced many difficulties, many dangers. There was much depression. There was areas of defeat. Dr. Stanley thought, these are backward heathen. And, and, and yet, here's Dr. Livingston, and he's giving untiring service for Christ's sake toward them. And he wrote in his journal that he's got an unwearying patience, and he's got an unflinching long-suffering toward the unenlightened sons of Africa. And after a few months, observing Dr. Livingston and how he bore with the African people he said this I became a true believer in Christ even though Dr. Livingston never said a word to me about repentance and faith in Christ you see it's you've heard the little slogan keep calm and carry on you know it's not true we, we could smile at that on the dishcloth or, or on the, the kitchen wall keep calm and carry on but it's never in our own strength or power. And it's certainly not unto all patience. I've got a problem and I need patience here. It's to do with patiently, steadfast, remembering the Lord's in control and looking to him for help. And, and, and unto all long-suffering, awkward, difficult people, how could I cope? Divine power and might to help. Inner victory in the soul. Because the strength comes from the Lord. One final thing this morning. The substance that is accompanied. Notice it says at the end, with joyfulness. So it's joyful patience, not just to be gritting our teeth. It's joyful long-suffering. 
Not, not just whispering under your breath, I'll get even someday. You see, joyfulness is different from happiness. Happiness depends on things going well. The sunshine, being on the mountaintop experience, nothing going wrong, good things happening. But what happens whenever you're having a bad day? Does the Bible not say in Nehemiah 8 and 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength? Does the Bible not talk about the fruit of the Spirit being joy? As Paul says, it's joy in the Holy Ghost, Romans 14 and 17. Remember Paul and Silas, young people in prison, they've been beaten. Their bodies running red with blood. And at midnight, they're in the prison cell. And what are they doing? Having a pity party? No. Complaining? No. Saying this is dreadful? No. They sang praises unto God and prayed. How could they sing praises to God? How could they pray in that situation? The answer is they received inner strength. And this is what Paul prays for. What's he praying for? He's praying for strength. I want you to see the subject that is addressed. And the source that is announced. And I want you to see the supply that's affirmed. It's all might. And I want you to see the scope that is affirmed. And I want you to see the substance that is accompaniment. It's with joyfulness. I wonder, as we finish this morning, have you ever prayed for strength? When you pray in your quiet time, alone with God, what do you actually pray for? Do you pray to be filled with the knowledge of his will? Do you pray that you might be walk worthy unto the Lord, unto all pleasing? Do, do you pray that you might be fruitful in every good work? Do you pray to increase in the knowledge of God? Do you pray for strength? And you can pray for strength. You can say, Lord, strengthen me as a mother, as a father, as a young person, as a child, in any area, in every walk of life. Because this is available to those that look to the Lord and trust in him. Are you his this morning? Are you trusting in Christ? Is he your Lord and Savior? Have you a testimony to his saving and keeping power? We trust that you have. And you might know and enjoy the experience of this divine strength. The Lord bless you. Thank you for coming today.